From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. Next week marks 50 years since Neil Armstrong took one small step on the moon's surface. The historic Apollo 11 mission fulfilled President John F. Kennedy's goal of reaching the moon by the end of the 1960s. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. More than half a billion people watched the astronauts live on television. But in the years that followed, Americans' interest and commitment to space exploration largely disappeared. Yet we're not fully over the moon. In March of this year, Vice President Mike Pence expressed a renewed sense of urgency. Now make no mistake about it. We're in a space race today, just as we were in the 1960s. And the stakes are even higher. So high that the Trump administration presented a new timeline for landing humans on the moon again within the next five years. That is four years sooner than their initial timeline of 2028, leaving some to wonder if a new space race really is on the horizon and to what ends. Well, joining me to discuss the latest chapter of space exploration is Tim Fernholz, a reporter at Quartz. Tim, good morning. Good morning, Charlie. So why is there this renewed interest in traveling to the moon and maybe even to Mars? There are a lot of reasons for it. One reason is scientific. In the last decade, we've discovered and really confirmed that there's water ice on the moon. We're in an age of new private sector interest in the moon. A lot of venture capital and investment is going towards space companies. And then the government. There's still a lot of the same reasons we went to space during the Apollo program for national prestige, to demonstrate technological superiority, and for military reasons, too. So all of those things are playing a big role in a resurgence of interest in space. Now, putting a man on the moon was an incredible technological feat, but you can't really separate out the political component of it that it took place during the Cold War. Are there any signs of a similar sort of pressure building to go back to the moon? Yes and no. Um, so there is a sense, and you will talk to people in Washington, D.C. and around the country, that we need to keep an eye on China. China's space program is very ambitious right now. They just did a moon lander on the far side of the moon. They're planning a sample return mission. They're planning a mission to Mars. They're planning an international space station of their own. So there is a sense in the United States that we should keep up with that and maintain our technological superiority in space. But I don't think it is anywhere near the levels that we saw during the 1960s or the 1950s during that Cold War time. Is a little bit of competition like that you think necessary or fear like that to sort of drive the accomplishments of the 1960s today? Obviously, if the United States was in a huge panic about space and was spending, you know, as much money as we did in the 1960s on space, we would be able to do probably a lot more. But I'm not sure that would be smart. What's exciting right now about space and especially the private interest in it is making it sustainable uh, and making it something that is sort of profitable going forward. The Apollo program resulted in a lot of important good things for the U.S. economy. It resulted in some scientific knowledge. But ultimately, it was a thing that we did once and then obviously didn't go back. So we need to come up with kind of a modern architecture where space is a part of the economy and a part of what the government does. But I don't think we're ever going to see it dominate the way it did for that period in the 60s and early 70s. Now, the big thing after Apollo eventually was the shuttle program, but then that was ended in 2011. And then NASA saw its budget cut. But in the past few years, that budget has been increasing. So as a nation, what is it that we are doing to try and go back to space? So we are in space, and I think it's important to remember that the most important stuff that NASA is doing is ongoing and happening. But when it comes to the moon and Mars, 
that is a lot trickier. As you mentioned, the Trump administration has announced that they want to go back to the moon by 2024. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Congress has not suggested that they're going to fund it. And this is newsy because this week, the top civil servant at NASA, Bill Gerstenmaier, who's headed up basically the human spaceflight program for 15 years, uh, was fired. So it was his deputy. So there's a big shakeup going on at NASA right now, basically because of this question of whether and how we will return to the moon or go on to Mars. Last year, you wrote a book about a new group of space explorers, billionaires and entrepreneurs like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. How have they been shaping space exploration? What they've done is inject competition into a market that didn't have it before. So Bezos and Musk are taking advantage of trends in technology and in business that make, for the first time really, building rockets a profitable thing to do commercially, not just for the government. And what they've been able to do is demonstrate that they can do a lot of what traditional contractors like Boeing or Lockheed Martin can do, but far more cheaply. And why that's so important is that the biggest obstacle to doing things in space is that it's hugely expensive to go there. And so the cheaper you make it to go there, the more frequently you can go, the more you can do. And there are people in Silicon Valley who think space is the next trillion dollar opportunity for entrepreneurs. So then if there is a space race, is it more between governments like the United States and China and these private companies? You know, Elon Musk cannot launch himself into space without government permission. All of his rockets are launched from Air Force bases, for instance. So, you know, there's still a government role. But what's happening is kind of cognitive dissonance. Uh, for the last 15 years, NASA has been trying to build a rocket that will go to the moon and possibly onto Mars. In the meantime, SpaceX has built two rockets. It's become the dominant commercial rocket company. It's undercutting competitors and forcing them to lower their prices. And so one big question about this Moon 2024 program is, are we going to stick with this architecture of letting a longstanding program sort of roll on forever? Or are you going to buy a rocket off the shelf and try and build your moon mission around that? Do we have any sense if there is public support for going back to the moon? Yes, actually. So a Gallup poll came out yesterday saying that 64% of Americans say space costs are justifiable and that NASA should be getting you know, more funding. It's receiving its highest ratings in 20 years. And they even asked if people should go to Mars, which for the first time got a majority. So I do think there's a bit of an interesting, not coincidence, that we're talking so much about Apollo right now, and there's a big boost in public interest in going back to space, whereas you know, two months ago, maybe not so much. You sometimes hear, was the original trip to the moon really worth it? Is it worth it now to go back to the moon and on to Mars? Yes, I would say it's worth it to go to the moon and Mars. There are scientific questions we can answer, and there's potentially uh, great discoveries we could make. Uh, but there's not an obvious reason why we need to get there by 2024. And I think a lot of people who look at the plans right now say it's more important to get there sustainably and cost-effectively than to get there by an arbitrary date. Tim Fernholz is a reporter for Quartz. He joined us by Skype. He's also the author of the book Rocket Billionaires, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and the New Space Race. Tim, thanks so much. Thank you. I'm Charlie Herman. This is Money Talking from WNYC. 